What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Pass the Brew. And today is part two of our Power Rankings uh, NFL special. So uh, once again, my name is Mark Cunningham. I'm your host, and I am pleased to welcome back Jess Campen for part two of our Power Rankings, where we will discuss teams from 17-2, who we believe will be the number one team this year in the NFL. So we get a little bit more heated in this one because we're getting, we're getting to our two favorite teams here and where they land on the power ranking board for us. Um, I, again, I enjoyed this conversation so much and I hope you guys do too. So without too much ado and with much excitement, here is part two of the power ranking episode. Enjoy. I have the New England Patriots at number 18. Oh. Um, and I literally, I wrote, if this had been any other coach, they would have been ranked way further down. Like way, way further down. Like you, if, if this was any other team, any other coach lose the greatest quarterback of all time and have the seat, you know, have the issues they had last year, they, they'd be in like the mid 20s at least. Uh, and so... I have them at 18 because Bill Belichick is legit. He's the greatest coach of all time. Uh, he's created one of the greatest cultures of all time in the Patriot way. Uh, that locker room is adding Cam Newton was genius. And I think we talked about this before we launched uh, or we talked about it. You no, know, when we did the, the news, but signing him was just brilliant. Not only as like, yeah, you're bringing in a, an exceptional player to play quarterback, but even if it doesn't work, like it's a win-win because they're going to get a third round pick back for it, which they lost. Like, and then you still have the reigning defensive player of the year in Stephon Gilmore, who's one of the few like actually locked down corners in the NFL. And so you just can never count them out. Like you just can't. So that's why like I would rank them way lower because their team is just looks bad. Like on paper, their team looks bad, but they have I, arguably one of the greatest coaches in sports history. So that's why they're at 18. <laughs> I uh, gave them number 10. 10? I did. Top 10. You put the Patriots top 10 without Tom Brady. Number 10. They were like, they weren't even top 10 last year. Doesn't matter. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we'll get to your ridiculous reasons for having that. Because that's <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if we could talk about that much of a difference yet. Like, that's huge. Yeah. Okay. But I well, mean, like you're talking, you're hold on just like one second. You're talking top 10 as far as like stats. But if like you did a power rankings of teams last year, I would say that the Patriots would be within the top 10. I would have put them there. At the end of the season last year. Yeah. Like, <sighs> like going into the playoffs. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if I would have. Maybe I would have, but like you, you totally would have. You totally would have. I didn't. Know. Are you sure? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't agree with putting them top ten. No, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Who do you have at eighteen? <laughs> <laughs> I have the Indianapolis Colts at eighteen. What? Okay, now we're starting to disagree, and this is pretty much <laughs> the reason we did this show. I have the Colts at eleven. Uh, yeah, I have the Colts. Um, I think that. I think that they have a lot of great pieces, mm -hmm. um, but quarterback is king. Um, and I think that Phil Rivers is getting to that other side. And I think that Phil Rivers or Jacoby Brissett or whoever, I don't think that makes much of a difference. Um, and I think that they will just be a little bit below average. Okay. I think well. that they could, I think that they could be, higher i think that they have a higher ceiling for sure right um but i think that there are other teams who have a higher one okay well i'll argue that when we get up to okay. the correct level for them uh, <laughs> um okay so the 17 oh oh and i think that the colts might be the new chargers I think it might be like you think that's River just going to follow philip rivers yeah i think it kind of might okay because you have Phil Rivers is going from a very similar situation in the Chargers mm -hmm. in the Colts. 
So he's just like switching to like a new situation where I think that maybe it will be a little bit more friendly for him, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think that the Phil Rivers problems are going to go away. I think there's a few, re- like, I, I don't disagree with you in terms of like that idea of like a really talented roster and can he make it happen? Like it looked like that at the Chargers and the Colts, but I think there's a, a few very key differences between the talent on the Chargers and the talent on the Colts. But we'll talk about that when okay. we get up there. Cause I want, okay. I want to explain my reasons. Uh, okay. Number 17, I have the Texans. I talked about that. Um, the only reason I have them at high is because of Deshaun Watson. Um, talked about them so who do you have at 17 uh the Steelers Steelers we talked about that as well all right number 16 you can lead us off for this one um well I have I had the Rams, the Rams. I thought that okay. they were the the prime meridian of the NFL correct I have the Arizona Cardinals um and I literally wrote highway robbery was the first statement that I wrote because that we talked about it with the Texans, but that new new Hopkins trades, like it'll go down as one of the worst in the NFL for the Texans and one of the best in the NFL for the Cardinals. Um, I think everybody in the offseason was talking about like one of the key pieces they needed to get in the draft was a game-changing wide receiver. And what did they do? They went instead of using a first-round pick to get, you know, C.D. Lamb or whoever, they went out and got a proven commodity for a second round pick and they offloaded a contract that they didn't even want in the first place with David Johnson. She's like, I don't understand how uh, that trade will never make sense to me, but the Cardinals want it easy. I mean, it makes Kyler Murray's life so much easier because nukes a guy, you can just throw it up. And if it's within his radius, like he's going to come down with it. Like he's he's done it against the best corners. He's done it against Jalen Ramsey. Like he can just do it. So um, I think Jalen Ramsey is pr- probably pretty pissed off that he left <laughs> where Hopkins was, and now he has to play him again twice a year. So I think that's pretty funny. Um, but I also just think they have one of the most exciting young teams. Uh, they had a great draft last year. They had a great draft this year. Yeah, I think they could finish higher than this. But for me, it was kind of like they're a wild card in terms of they're still really young, new coach, all this kind of stuff. Like they could lose some games poorly. They could win some games incredibly. Like all that kind of stuff plays into it. Yeah. I think that you're like, I have them high, but I have them higher. Yeah. I have them at 15. So I am completely with you. Yeah. Um, And normally I'm very skeptical of a big wide receiver in a new system. It almost always takes a year for them to like get that rapport and get things going. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, it's Nuke. Like, I don't think that he's going to have an issue um, yes. translating into this system. And the Cardinals started to get their groove at the end of last season. Really the acquisition did. of Hopkins, is, as we've talked about, was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It truly was highway robbery. You're not wrong. Um, and I think that the marriage of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray has been phenomenal. Yeah. You know, Cliff Kingsbury got the guy he wanted and they're moving together as a team. And I think that's what a lot of teams lack mm-hmm. um, with consistency. Yeah. I uh, think a hundred percent, like it's just, and I, I think Nuke, the part of the reason he's not going to have trouble fitting in is he's just done it with so many other quarterbacks, like, and terrible quarterbacks at that. Like he's done it with everybody. It doesn't matter who's throwing in the ball. Like he's going to come down with it. So, um, well, I had the Falcons at 15, uh, and I, I actually wanted to put the Falcons lower, if I'm honest, um, because you just don't seem like the same team. I think losing Kyle Shanahan was a bigger deal than people made it out to be. Um, but when you look at their offense, you, the storyline is they have a first-round pick at every starting position on their offense this year, which is mental. Like, that's just crazy. Um, but will it be enough to bring them back to, you know, the levels they were playing at in 2016, 2017, you know, Dan Quinn's probably fighting for his job this year. You know, had some issues with injuries. I, I just don't know. The Falcons are another one of those teams where I just, I just don't know who they are. Like they've got Matt Ryan and he's, he's a proven commodity, but they've had him and Julio for a long time. And the last couple of years just haven't been able to make it happen. So I, I don't know why this year is going to be any different. 
Yeah, uh, I, I have them at 14, so we're pretty close mm -hmm. there. Um, and I had the same struggles with the Falcons. Like, looking at their roster, they should be a great team. Mm -hmm. The problem is is that they don't seem to have an identity. You know, they want to be a big flying offense with, um, with Julio, but then they're like, no, we have like this big, big, bad defense. And then it's just kind of average for both. Like, it's not like they've put any capital into those areas. Yeah. They've just kind of left it and then let it kind of simmer. Mm -hmm. And it just never really got to where it should be. Mm -hmm. I do agree with you that I think losing Kyle Shanahan was a bigger deal uh, than it initially was thought mm -hmm. and it's hard to look at the roster what they can accomplish together and say why can't this team be a Super Bowl team and I think it can be mm -hmm. but I don't know what the problem is I, I don't know why they can't seem to bring it together yeah yeah um Okay, so you had the Falcons at 14. I had the Browns at 14. We talked about that. So on up to 13. So we're starting to close in on the, the powerhouses here. Uh, at 13, I had the Philadelphia Eagles. Love that. Love hearing them at 13. I have them higher. I have them at, uh, really? I have them at nine. Um, okay. But I love to hear them at 13 from you. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have them at 13, I think. I think Carson Wentz, if he can stay healthy, which he just has not proven he can. Um, so that's, that's like a legitimate question. Uh, if he can stay healthy, that this team is competitive. Like he, he's it. Like he's, he is a franchise quarterback. The problem is he just can't stay on the field. Um, he's got the arm strength, the decision-making, the athletic ability. He can carry the team at times. Um, and the team is talented enough that when Carson Wentz is on the field and not playing his best, that they can, they can rise to the occasion. The issue for them across the board, quarterback, wide receiver, corner, linebacker, everybody, is health. Like, I don't think I ever have seen a team suffer as much injury-wise as the Eagles have in the past few years. Like, it is insane. Like, they're playing like formal wide receivers at corner at some, at some points. Like, they just – if they, they have a talented roster, they just cannot stay healthy. And so – I, if, you know, if their team could prove they could stay healthy, I would probably have them ranked higher like you do. Um, but they just haven't proven that. And I, I don't know that this year where they're not going to be training as much is going to help that. You do have a very valid point. I, as a Cowboys fan, fear the Eagles in my soul. So <laughs> I think that maybe that's why I have them higher. Yeah. Um, I mean, Carson Wentz hasn't been Carson Wentz since he got hurt the first time. Mm -hmm. um, I went to a game with my dad and saw Carson Wentz play um, just before he went down with the injury. And I will never forget my dad turning to me, fear in his eyes, looking at me and saying, we have a problem. <laughs> and what he meant was we have a problem for a long time from yep. now. Um, which really could have been the case. Now it's turned out that he's been very injured and the rest of the team also has been injury struck in, which has mm -hmm. been tough. Um, I do think, I do agree with you with COVID. Um, if we're assuming that teams are going to get more injured than they normally would, the Eagles definitely would be prone to something like that. Mm -hmm. They would definitely be in trouble and their depth is not crazy either. So that would be an issue for them, but they always seem to rise to the occasion. Uh, yeah. Even when they are injury struck in and even when they're playing, you know, with guys from, you know, Philadelphia backyard yeah. football mm -hmm. that they seem to be able to make it work and they seem to have a really good culture, yeah. which yeah, I, I hate to say, but I mean, they seem to really have something going. Yeah, Doug Peterson is a great, great coach um, out of that Andy Reid coaching tree. And I think they've got enough veterans, you know, Fletcher Cox, Jason Kels, Kelsey, um, you know, guys that have been there, done that, like that, that they can weather those storms. But, yep, well, I had them at 13. Who do you have at 13? Uh, I have the Buffalo Bills at 13. Ooh, ooh. 
<laughs> I have the Bills at six. Oh. <laughs> so that's quite the difference. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's hear your reasons. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I thought that I had them like at a good place. I mean, they're so fun. How can you not root for them? Their defense looks great. Josh Allen has a number one receiver. He has a great slot guy in Beasley. But I think that they're still a little bit slow and I think that they're still a little bit misjointed. I mean, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they've added Stefan Diggs. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, I don't always trust a wide receiver and a, a number one wide receiver in a new system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they'll be good. I think they'll be competitive. I think that they could be like a nine-win team. But I, as we'll talk about in a little while, do believe in the Bill Belichick magic. And I don't know if this team can weather that. That's fair. I Yeah, I'll talk about why I have the Bills so high when we get up there because I think for the top 10, yeah, I don't want to get into it now. So number 12 then, uh, who, who have you got? Add Titans. Oh, I have the Titans as well. Oh. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a great spot for them. So, well, what do you what do you think of the Titans? I mean, they were a playoff team last year. They have a smart coach, uh, Derek Henry. Um, but like, is Tannehill a Super Bowl quarterback? Can they stay successful? Was this a fluke? Well, please stay tuned. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think that's legit. I think like to, to put the Tannehill experience into, into perspective, like Tannehill was PFF's number one graded quarterback last year, 92.6 or something like that. Elite grade. Like we're talking above Drew Brees, above all these guys. Like he was the number one graded quarterback. Now lots of people freak out about that, but it's like, they're not saying he's the best quarterback in the NFL. They're saying he played the best last year. Like that's the difference between PFF grades and like the narrative side of things is they just do it play by play year by year. How do they do? And so it, I think even if Tannehill regresses like a little bit, he's then he's still in the top 10 of quarterbacks and like that gives you a chance. Um, and so I think that that there alone, you know, and they have continuity, like the team mostly stayed together. They didn't really lose anybody getting Christian Fulton in the second round of the draft out of LSU was a steal. Like he is a legit number one corner, lockdown corner. He has some issues with tackling. Who cares? He's a corner. Like let him shut down the pass. Um, and yeah, I think you know you got this incredible young wide receiver in AJ Brown, Derrick Henry. Who this is my favorite stat I think ever. He had fifteen hundred plus yards after contact last year. After contact, like that, that stat is insane. Like a 1500 yard year for a running back is like exceptional. You're top 10, you know, you could win the rushing title with that. He had that after getting hit. That's is just mental. Um, so yeah, Titans at 12. Yeah. And I think too, like what is great about them is that with Tannehill, like it's definitely the right system for him. Yeah. Like he will not succeed and flourish everywhere, but this was the right system for him mm-hmm. um, with some of these teams. And he's, they're going into the next season with momentum that they've really kind of come up to this crescendo and they could really go higher. Mm-hmm. The problem with some of these teams who haven't done so well historically is can they stay there? Yep. Um, and that's my question with the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, winning is hard. Continuously winning is extremely hard. So, all right. So I had the Colts at 11. I was shocked you had them so low because uh, number one, the Colts were a better team than they looked last year. I mean, having Jacoby Brissett was a problem. Um, and this is the key difference and why I think Phillip Rivers will be successful in Indianapolis is he has an actual legitimate offensive line the offensive line in San Diego or in LA was atrocious like it was ter- it's been terrible for years and mm-hmm. Philip Bridger- Rivers is a statue he's not athletic and so he was under pressure so much and he can't get out and escape and make plays right so he's just chucking the ball downfield and so was throwing a ton of interceptions causing because he's a gunslinger whereas now he's going to have time to stand in the pocket and be a gunslinger. 
yes, there's still going to be some turnover issues because that's just, it just comes with the territory, but you're going from a system where you're gunslinging much sooner than you think you have to, because your offensive line is terrible to a place where, okay, you now have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You have time to look at the field and, you know, he's got probably a poor man's Michael Williams in, in, uh, Pittman, their new draft pick, T.Y. Hilton, you know, downfield threat. Uh, they have a great stable of running backs. Like, I think that this is a system that he can thrive in. Um, and because of that, I think the Colts are going to be an incredibly competitive team. And in their division, like when you look at it, the AFC South, you've got the Jacksonville Jaguars, who we, we all agree are at the bottom. Uh, you've got the, uh, the Tennessee Titans, who – yeah, they're they're good. They're they're there. And then who was the other team? The Texans, who lost their one of their best players. So I just think the Colts are in a in a position to be successful this year. And I think Philip Rivers is the key. And yeah, Philip Rivers isn't what he once was, but he's now with a coaching staff who knows him. You know, he's got they've got a, a decent defense. Bringing in DeForest Buckner was was a good move. Uh, regardless of what you value in defensive tackles, he's a legit pass rusher. I would know as a 49ers fan. Um, so yeah, I think they're a great team. They could be a top 10 team as well. Like I debated having them higher, but I, I dropped them just outside the top 10 um, because I guess like you kind of say, prove it. How old is Philip Rivers? Do you know? Is he 38? He is 38. He'll be turning 39 this year. This yeah. December, he'll be turning 39. Um this is this is the witching hour for quarterbacks like Philip River, Rivers, 38, 39. Yeah. Um, and I think that we will have a regression to Philip Rivers. Now he he's a gunslinger, he has a big arm, but I am not so sure he'll be able to carry an entire season. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe with COVID, there won't be an entire season and maybe he'll do (laughs) really, really well. Um, However, with that being said, I think that if we're evaluating as if there's going to be a real big season, I think he could be really, really great for the first half. And I think he could have a really, really terrible time in the second half. Yep. I, I, I can see your point. I don't think he needs to have the big arm anymore because Frank Reich's <clears throat> offense is about getting the ball out of his hand quickly. That's why Andrew Luck started to look, you know, a lot better because he was able, he, he didn't have to make it happen. So uh, who do you have at 11? Um, at 11, I have the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. I've got the Minnesota Vikings at seven. And, and I really thought I moved them around quite a bit within the first, like in the top 10 and then just yeah, so left them out. Um, offensively, things are really starting to come together. Um, Kirk Cousins is average, but it's uh, cast is really starting to become a little bit more exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Stefan Diggs departure will be a plus for the team locker room. I think that that really dragged them down last year. Um, and they've already looked to replace him with Justin Jefferson. So I think that they could have a really, really great roster. Um, but I think that, and I know that you're going to say that statistically speaking, Kirk Cousins isn't just average. However, exactly what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> However, prove it. <laughs> it's the fifth highest graded passer last year. It's not Cousins' fault. He is not the reason that the Vikings can't figure it out. Um, Passing-wise, I think that you're not wrong. I think that chemistry-wise, there has been a bit of an issue. And we'll see with Diggs gone if that now goes away. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you. All right, so we're into the top 10 here. Um, yeah, let's let's uh, let's just get to it. So at ten, I have the Green Bay Packers, and at ten, I have the New England Patriots. Oh man, ten so high, so uh, high. Where did I have them? Like eighteen or something like that. Something like that. Top ten, unbelievable. Uh, well, I think I think that you've got to give um, revenge. Belichick is due. Yeah. I think that narratively wise, 
he is like he's gonna go after it and i don't think that he is going to accept anything less than exceptional from anyone and with as far as bill belichick goes you know he wanted to keep jimmy garoppolo he yeah, wanted he to get rid of Tom a long time ago. Yeah, he, he want yeah, he did. And then Tom went running to dad and went, you know, Mr. Kraft, sir, please <laughs> save me. And he did. And, you know, Kraft made uh, Bill get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and put him in a good situation because he wanted to prove right yeah. that Jimmy Garoppolo was a good quarterback. He wasn't going to send him somewhere bad. Hallelujah. Um. But I think that, you know, there's been a debate for the last couple of years since him and Tom Brady have reportedly been fighting, you mm-hmm. know, is it Brady, is it Belichick, or is it both? And I think Bill Belichick is eager to show that it's all him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh... – that's the thing. Like, as much as I had them at 18, like, I, all your reasons are legit. So, like, I, I could totally agree with you um, being in the top ten. I have the Packers – um, I would have ranked the Packers way higher if they had done literally anything in the offseason to help themselves. Uh, but they didn't. They drafted as if they were in a rebuild. Like a team that was one win away from the Super Bowl. Like you're in win now mode. Like, you should be doing everything possible to bring in more weapons. And what did they do with their top two picks? They picked a developmental strong arm quarterback who can't start even if you didn't have Aaron Rodgers and a, a bruising running back who doesn't fit the style of offense that you're playing when you have two like exceptional running backs already. Like I just, it doesn't make sense, especially when you have this stable, like that was one of the best wide receiver drafts we've seen in years. And you have this stable of like number three wide receivers. And then one of the best in Devonte Adams, but Devonte Adams can't do it all. And so it was just, it was shocking to watch. I can't imagine being Aaron Rodgers. Like he must've just been, so angry at the same time they were successful last year i think matt there's a there's a a decent offense there um and you've got aaron Rodgers, and yeah he's not he's not the same guy he was you know three years ago Uh, he's still aaron Rodgers though so you can't you can't discount them and the same way you're saying you can't just discount belichick so i had them at 10 partly for respect with what they did last year um, I would have them higher, but they just had a terrible offseason. So, yeah, that's 10. Moving on to number nine. Number nine, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. Um, I think that they have a very talented roster. I think that if everything breaks right for them, they could be a Super Bowl team. Yeah. Uh, I think that they are very dangerous, um, and I would never discount anything that they can do. And I think that you spoke a lot to the type of players that they have at their positions. Now, whether they can stay healthy, that's one thing or another. But mm-hmm. I do think if they can pull it all together, that they could win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. At number nine, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, the reason I have them at nine and not probably higher like most people would, um, I have them at nine because it's it's Super Bowl or bust. That's the clear thing. Uh, they have probably one of my favorite NFL personalities in Bruce Arians at head coach. I just read his book and he's just a legend. Like Bruce Arians is just an absolute legend. Um, and it, a fantastic coach as well. You, you obviously you bring in the greatest of all time. Is he still that player? We don't know. Um, he, you put probably the most ridiculous collection of weapons I've ever seen on a team around him. Like when you, like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Gronkowski and OJ Howard. And like, it just, it, it boggles the mind that he has those kind of players to throw to. However, it's a brand new system in a year where they don't have the time like they normally do. Now, Brady's had them all over to his training facilities, so maybe this is a, no, a, no, a no-go. But, um, yeah, I just, I just think they're behind the eight ball in terms of bonding as a unit. So that's the only reason I didn't put them higher. But, again, like their, their defense looked like one of the best defenses in the NFL near the end of last year incredibly young, incredibly talented. So yeah, watch out for the Buccaneers for sure. 
Alrighty. Number eight. Number eight, I have uh, my Dallas Cowboys. Okay. That's okay. Uh, I think. like where I have the Cowboys. Yes, love that. Um, I think Dallas really has all of the pieces and has even more weapons than they came in last year with that everyone thought that they were going to do really, really well. Um, The first concern for me with the Cowboys that now has kind of gone away is now Dak has is to sign his franchise tag so that drama will not be as looming over the team Mm -hmm. uh, as I was afraid that it was going to be. I do worry that there are four team members who have COVID-19, how that's going to look, how big um, of an impact that's going to have, if they're going to be back at full strength. As I said before, Zeke hasn't practiced since getting COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, We do know that Zeke uh, has the ability to gain a little bit of weight if he's not practicing. So uh, he might be a little sluggish coming in and we do need his versatility. Um, unsure how teachable Dak will be under a potentially new and more complex system that mm-hmm. than Jason Garrett had. Uh, I am concerned about um, how much time it's going to take for them to really get hold of something brand new and if that's really going to actually be brand new or if Kellen Moore is going to hold more of the same system like how much of it really was Garrett how much really was Kellen Moore and how that's going to kind of marry together because I think that it was a non-negotiable for Mm -hmm. the Joneses I think that Kellen Moore was going to be there regardless Um, now if we are talking about COVID injuries and COVID taking people out I mean a huge advantage is Andy Dalton that they have yeah. the best backup quarterback. So if something does happen with Dak and he does go down, mm-hmm. that Andy Dalton can go in um, pretty seamlessly. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, all, all your points are are good there. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the Cowboys when we when we get to my spot for them. But at number eight, I had the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and I basically said any other QB on this team and they would be much lower. Uh, but Ru- like Russell Wilson, as a 49ers fan, I've been watching for years. He's a magician. I get the things he does is just unbelievable. Like he, he sees the field and understands pressure better than anybody I've ever seen. And his ability to escape collapsing pockets and to make something out of nothing um, with guys who, you know, on another team would be number two or number three wide receivers. Like it, Russell is, is that team. Like he's the, he's the heart and soul of that team. Um, and so, yeah, I think like he's got the, probably the best collection of wide receivers he's had in a long time. Like DK Metcalf looked like a legitimate threat last year as a deep, especially in the backyard style of football they play. Like he mm-hmm. just, he just chucks it up and DK is just bigger than everybody else. So what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, like I think if they're Super Bowl caliber team, even when, even though the roster might not look like it, they've got some questions on defense, you know, if they can bring back Clowney, that would make a huge deal. Uh, but they had questions on defense last year and they still went to the playoffs. So yeah, I just think they're, they're a dangerous team and they're, I think like the Eagles are for you. They're a team. I just fear always whenever, whenever they play. So. Yeah. I mean, as a Cowboys fan, we always have to watch the clip of uh, Tony fumbling the snap, Tony Romo. So yeah, so that one's uh, they're a sore spot for me too. Yeah, mine's the the Richard Sherman tip of Colin Kaepernick's pass to Crabtree. So I've got one as well. Um, okay, number seven. I'll just lead it off because uh, we kind of talked about them. So I have the Vikings because, like I like you said, I was going to. Kirk is a better passer than people think he is. He was PFF's fifth highest graded passer last season. Uh, he's a great quarterback for that team. He fits the system. Uh, he he. He knows what to do with the ball. He doesn't throw interceptions. Like he's just, he's the perfect quarterback for that team. It's not that he is not the reason why they can't figure it out. I do think Stefan Diggs leaving is like you said, good for the chemistry and bringing in Jeff Justin Jefferson was, uh, was a great move. And I think their wide receiver core didn't get worse. The big questions I have with the Vikings are on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they're, secondary is littered with guys who are unproven really young players who 
yeah, I just don't know if they, if their defense is going to be quite the dominant unit. Now they still got good, you know, they've got Harrison Smith back there. They've got Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks and, and you know, they still got Daniil Hunter and, and those guys, but I just worry about the secondary and their ability to stick with wide receivers and, and to shut down passing games. So, um, but I still think they're a powerhouse team that are going to do very well. Um, at number seven, I have Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think that they are going to be better than you think that they're going to be. Um, and I mean, Tom Brady is down in Tampa playing for the fun coach, the veteran coach, the coach who loves the old guys. And as far as how Bruce Arians is going to play this with his playbook, he's going to just throw it out the window. He's going to be like, so Tom Brady, what are the plays that you want to run? Cool. Yep. And he's going to make his playbook that way. Um, and because he is a coach on the field, I don't think that it's going to take as long um, as some of the other guys who are adjusting to new systems yeah. because Tom Brady already knows backwards and forwards mm -hmm. uh, what it is that he wants to do. And he's proven. So the guys on the field are going to trust him as a coach on the field. Yeah. They're going to appreciate his respect and they're not going to question, you know, the big dog coming in and making all of these changes. They're going to be like, well, it's Tom Brady. Of course, we're making these changes. Yeah. So I think that they're all excited. You know, they're not doing the 30 for 30 thing with Jameis Winston anymore, that they, re I, they really are Super Bowl or bust. And I think that they truly buy into it. And Bruce Arians is a fun coach to play for. And I think that Tom Brady is full of or like wanting revenge on Bill Belichick yep. and we have seen time and time again revenge Brady this is revenge Brady the season yeah uh, revenge Brady the movie if you will yeah and I think that he is just going to light things up and be like you think that I'm too old watch me now yeah yeah and I I, I agree with you I think um the the piece about Bruce Arians throwing his, his playbook out is, is legit. So in reading his book, he actually does even in week to week game plans, he sits down and when they're scripting the beginning of the game, he has the quarterback choose their favorite three plays, like whatever ones they want to run. So yeah, I think he's going to do that with Tom as well. The only reason I think I potentially had them a little bit lower than you is because of how difficult the NFC is going to be. Um, not just his own division in the NFC South, but just the NFC in general. And I think the teams that he's going to have to play, you know, they're not, there's like my top 10 is littered with NFC teams. And I think there's like, there's three AFC teams and the rest are NFC. So like that just shows you how difficult I think the NFC is going to be. Um, so I think like the top 10 could shift like crazy, but I don't disagree with you. All right. Number six. Uh, I have the bills. So the reason I had the bills so high, uh, is because a couple of things, um, they had, and this was like a really big, like sticking point for people in that maybe don't agree with the analytics crowd, but it, P, the bills had one of the best receiving grades last year. Like PFF had the Bills wide receivers and John Brown and Cole Beasley rated as two of the most effective wide receivers in the NFL. And adding Stefan Diggs to that makes it better because Diggs does a few things that those two guys can't. Now you're right. New receiver in a new system can take time. Um, but I don't, I also don't think that the Bills offense is, is necessarily built around the success of the passing game. Like they need a few of the big plays and things like that but it's built around Josh Allen's unique athletic ability. He's a lot like everybody compares him to Cam Newton. And, and I mean, like he's not quite that level, but um, I think the way Sean McDermott runs that team is he puts Allen and the team in the best position to succeed based on who they're playing. I think McDermott is an incredibly underrated coach and then put that together with an exceptionally young, talented defense with a great secondary, one of the best corners in the NFL and Tredavious White, you know, you've got a good defensive line. Like, I just think they're, they're in a prime position to succeed in a division that is very much up for grabs. Like I would still say, even with the Patriots picking up Cam Newton, like the bills are probably still favored to win. Um, and I just think the AFC, like they're going to have an easier time winning games than some of the other teams are. 
Yeah. And, and just back to the Patriots, just for, for a quick second, quick timeout. I, in placing the Patriots where I did, I took a lot of thought into how Bill Belichick um, dealt with when Tom Brady went down, uh, bringing in Matt Castle, Jacoby Brissett, and those guys really did not have a lot of success outside of Bill Belichick. And you have to think that bringing in somebody like Cam, Mm -hmm. that, you know, he may have more success. He may bring him up to a higher level than not necessarily MVP cam, but definitely better than last year cam. Yep. I agree with you. Yep. Um, At number six for me, I had the Green Bay Packers Um, and I mean, Aaron Rodgers, theoretically, the Packers should be number one. Um, I do question the growing divide between LaFleur and Rodgers and how that will uh, continue to work or grow. They, you know, they both say that it doesn't exist. The draft says otherwise. <laughs> yeah. But I still think that they are on top of their division um, and Rodgers is Rodgers and he's not tanking the team. Yep. I, yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't think you're, you're wrong there. I just, I just don't think Rogers is the, is the same guy he was three years ago. Um, well, I, I still think he can carry the team and dominate. Uh, but I think it's starting to catch up with him a little bit. Yeah. And I think that we may see going forward, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but within a couple of years, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers has been particularly teachable. Um, And so there are guys, you know, who come into the league with this like raw, raw talent who then as they start to get older, can't play in the same way that they used to. And Mm -hmm. they just fall apart because Mm -hmm. everything is all wrong for them because some of their natural abilities have gone away. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys fan, I've seen that with Des Bryant, for example. Yeah. He can't run around to save his life, but he could, you know, jump up and get a ball. But when he started to get older, those routes were not the same. Yeah. So I think that we may see a regression in Aaron Rodgers, but I do not think that it will be this year. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, number five. And I hated doing this, but... I have the Cowboys in the top five. So happy Jess. Um, the reasons why, and I think it's contingent on a couple of things happening. Number one, I like when you look at this offensive roster, they are one of them, if not the most talented in the NFL, that receiving core of Cooper lamb and Gallup is ridiculous. Build a better one in terms of like getting all the different kinds of skill sets that you want. Um, you've got still one of the best, even with the loss of Travis Frederick, still one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Um, I think getting Tyler Biadish out of Wisconsin, um, you know, he could eventually fill that center role. He's not going to play at Travis Frederick level, but, um, he's still going to be very good. Now the key I think on offense is that they need to take the ball. And I think you and I have talked about this offline out of Zeke's hands. Because running the ball, like running backs, don't, they're just not as important as, as other games. And I think Dak has the talent to distribute the ball to his wide receivers, and that can be a very high-flying offense. The problem is when they rely on like giving Zeke the ball 25, 30 times a game, like it's the same thing with, like I talked about with Christian McCaffrey. You're just limiting your offense's potential when you're running your offense through your running back. Now, people will point at, the Ravens and the 49ers running games last year, they're very different. And we'll talk about them when we get to them. That is a very different style of running uh, that is designed around a different purpose and isn't paying the running back wide receiver, like half the salary, like all this money, right? Like they're, they're doing it with, with different guys, but if they can take the ball out of Zeke's hands a bit more, you know, give him 15 to 20 a game for sure. But let Dak, throw the ball to these guys and let, let them run wild in, in the defensive backfield. Cause there's, I don't think there's a coverage unit in the league that is going to be able to cover all those guys. Like, yeah. It's just not gonna happen. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think that for me, I might be a little bit hesitant because last season, the Cowboys broke my heart. Like they started off pretty good playing some very like poor rosters. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just went downhill and downhill and downhill. And I could not believe what I was seeing. Like they should have been so much more talented and win so many more games. I thought Jason Garrett was going to end up keeping his job and I had been lobbying for him to get rid of him for a really <laughs> long time. Yeah. Um, I think that the offense will not be run through Zeke as much with, um, as I'm calling him for now, Magic Mike McCarthy. Um. <laughs> And I think that he will be more high-flying offense kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And I think with this kind of roster, like, how could you not be? Yep. And I'm sure that Jerry probably was a little bit in Jason Garrett's ear about, like, please run Zeke, run Zeke, run Zeke. Um, but with the agreeing to draft CeeDee Lamb, like, I truly feel like Jerry must be singing a different tune. One can hope. Oh, well, and that's why I have them at eight, because you never know. Yeah. Right. Who's at, uh, who's at five for you? Uh, I have the Seattle Seahawks at five, okay. and very much for the same reasons that you have them at five. Um, now I know that they're in the same division as another team that we'll talk about. Um, so you can say, like, how can they have you know, a similar or to be very both in the top five. Mm -hmm. um, with that being said, I just think that Russell Wilson just tends to make it happen. And I believe in the culture that he and Pete Carroll have there. Yep. Uh, and they seem to be able to make it work with the most ridiculous rosters in the way that the Patriots have as well. So I will never count them out. And I don't think that they are worse than they were last year. Uh, I think that DJ Moore can only get better. Mm -hmm. So, or sorry, not DJ Moore. Um, what's his face? DK Metcalf. That's the one. DK yeah. Metcalf um, can only get better. Uh, a lot of people thought that he wouldn't be really great coming out of college because he didn't really show the ability to run routes. That doesn't seem to be a problem. They're not playing in Seattle. not in Seattle <laughs> because they play that kind of like backyard ball. Right. Yep. So he's in the right system. And I think that uh, they'll be able to make it work. Um, and I will likely, I'd be surprised if we didn't see them in the playoffs. Yeah. I uh, don't. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with you. I think probably my my natural bias to the Seahawks had them a, a little bit lower, maybe than than necessary. But yeah, I think I think what you've got is is legit. All right, so we're closing in on the top here. So top four, who's at number four for you? I have the 49ers at four. At four. Mm, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Tell me why. Um, I have them at four to make you mad that they're not at three. Uh, no. Three. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, they're at four. Four is really good. They have a yeah. really great roster. They have a fantastic defense. They have a pretty good offense. Um, but I think that there are three other teams who have a better one. Yeah. And I think that in the type of league that we're in, yes, like, you know, defense wins championships and, you know, defense is really, really important. Um, but I would probably much rather a spectacular offense with an above average defense. And I think the 49ers have it the other way. Uh, and I'm not completely 100% sold on, like, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is Tom Brady. Okay. So question for you. You say offense wins games. Do you know how many points per game the 49ers scored last year? I, I know. I know that it is high. They were number I three know. behind the Ravens and the, and the Chiefs. I just, I point six points per game. I personally feel that there are three teams on my list that are better. Fine. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm kidding. Yeah, that's that's why we're doing this exercise. All right, at number four, I've got the New Orleans Saints. Um, 
returning almost the same, basically the same team as last year, but getting a few really key additions. Like I think adding Emmanuel Sanders was genius. Um, I think he's the perfect number two compliment to Michael Thomas uh, and has given Breeze like a true one-two punch for the first time in like a long time. Uh, add into that the arguably the best offensive line in football um, and a defense that has progressively gotten better every year. Uh, yeah, it, they're easily a Super Bowl contender, and I don't, I don't think you can argue that. Now the question is, who is Drew Brees? Because end of the season Drew Brees and beginning of the season Drew Brees last year were very different. So uh, can he sustain it for a deep playoff run? I think is a big question. Now, I loved the Jameis Winston signing. Loved it. Because if Breeze does slip or get hurt, I think Jameis Winston is a great addition to that offense that is not predicated on chucking the ball deep down the field like Tampa Bay's offense was. Uh, it's, it's a short slant route, you know, dig routes, comeback routes, curl routes. Like it's that, it's that short intermediate inside passing where – Jameis actually thrives. So uh, I loved that signing. I think it's a perfect uh, insurance in, in case Breeze goes down. But yeah, so that's my number four. Um, I have the Saints at number three, so I'll just go into them there. Yeah, um, and to me, like, it was really, really hard to distinguish the difference between the Saints and the 49ers for me. Mm -hmm. Um I think that just because we are in a passing league and I do love a lot of the stuff that the Saints are doing, that just like edged them up for me. But you do have a very valid point of can Drew Brees sustain it? And that's a huge, huge question mark. I mean, he's getting up there in age. Is that something that he's going to be able to do? Um, make a big playoff run? Or is he going to, you know, going to make it to the championships and then fall apart because his arm is not what it was at the beginning of the season mm -hmm. it's really hard to say um I do think that the James Winston signing is very fun um you know I think that they could use him in fun ways as well um I just think that the Saints are a little bit better than the 49ers um just around personally yeah. speaking okay. well, yeah i mean you can have opinions and they could be wrong but that's fine no i'm kidding uh i have at number three i have the ravens um and again the top you're such a homer <laughs> you are such a homer no like you let me explain my reasons when we get to fine. 49ers so high. i don't fine. have them at number one i'll give you that okay we all know who's gonna be at number one uh i have the ravens at number three and there's a, there's a couple of reasons that they're lower than the 49ers and above the Saints. Number one, Lamar Jackson is, is a player that is in a class of his own in NFL history. Like, people like to compare him to Mike Vick. He's not Mike Vick. He's better. No. Right? Like, this guy routinely makes professional athletes look like children. It's unbelievable watching that. He's the most exciting thing to watch in sports, and I, there's just no way – like, I just don't understand it. And the fact that he went and improved as a passer is terrifying. Like, the jump he made from year one to year two as a passer was ridiculous. And he had a great start to the season, but he, like, maintained that throughout the year. And combine that with a great coach who, create, who worked with Greg Roman to create a unique offense that's full of exceptional athletes and speed – uh, with a great running game. And then you add in a defense that's led by veterans like Earl Thomas. Uh, you just, I just, the team is, there's no holes in the team. The issue is the playoffs. Now, yeah, Lamar Jackson's only played two years, but they are one and done in both of those years in the playoffs. I do not think that will be the case this year. However, I do think that's a major factor. Like we talked about when teams get deep in, in like later in the season, having those experiences matters. Um, so I don't think they'll be one and done in this year in the playoffs, but that is why I have them at three. Um, I have the Ravens at two. Um, I think that Lamar Jackson 
is a lot more than what people thought that he was going to be. Yep. Um, he is so dynamic. Um, Harbaugh's really, really come alongside him and has just said, like, let's do you. Like, he has not tried to make him um, be, you know, a pocket passer or yeah. be the kind of guy that a traditional uh, NFL offense would be. And I think mm-hmm. because he's let him have those um, freedoms mm-hmm. and made those changes on the fly, that it really has created this really cool blueprint for quarterbacks like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think as well, this is what Bill Belichick is looking for to try and like create another Baltimore Ravens. So they've really created something unique mm-hmm. and something that I think that other teams are going to want to emulate going forward. Um, I don't have a concern about the playoff experience. I mean, it's it's been a couple, it's only been two years um first year really is only half a year mm-hmm. so i think that that will come with time yep. um particularly as they continue to build around lamar jackson the question for me is will there be a, a regression it doesn't seem like there will be but there could be Mm-hmm. Um, and will there be better planning with other teams who have full a full year of game tape on him? So yeah. is he going to be the kind of guy where you can like learn to game and learn to play for? I don't know. He has a lot of dynamic different things that you really have to account for and cover for. However, mm-hmm. players like this have been gamed in the past, so it really is yet to be seen. Yeah. And see, but that's the thing. Like, I think when, when people use that example, like a lot, I've heard a lot of people use like, well, you know, people thought Colin Kaepernick was going to change the game and he was this dynamic, but then, you know, people started to figure it out. But I just, when you watch. I I know that he's not a Colin Kaepernick. I know he's not RG3. I know that it's not that same dynamic. He is very, very different, but we only have these comparisons to go on. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to say, you know, Mm -hmm. will he follow down the same route Mm -hmm. with people who we thought were going to change the game and then didn't? Yeah. Or is he going to be a force for a long time? Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think he's going to be a force for a long time. And part of the reason I think he's different as a running quarterback, you know, because people are like, oh, running quarterbacks take more hits. But, like, Lamar Jackson doesn't really take hits. He kind of just, like, he'll, he'll like, get slide tackled or he'll run out of bounds or he'll score a touchdown. Like, that's kind of the options. He never really gets, like, popped like Cam Newton does because Cam Newton's, like, a big physical runner, right? He's a, he's a very smart runner. Yeah, exactly. Um Okay, top two. Number two, San Francisco 49ers. And yes, here's my Homer. <laughs> Homer, yeah. I, you, I could be, but I, I think there's probably a lot of people that agree with me. Uh, number one, they were in the Super Bowl. Okay, <laughs> step one, Super Bowl. And yeah, they lost it. But they have the best offensive mind in football in Kyle Shanahan. Now, I think Andy Reid currently is a better coach I do not, and I think he's a great offensive mind as well. I don't think there is anybody in the game doing what Kyle Shanahan does. He has more motions and shifts on plays than any other coach in the NFL. There's a shift on almost every play. Sometimes it means something. Sometimes it means absolutely nothing. And because of that, defenses have an almost impossible task of trying to figure out what's going on. Combine that with the fact that he uses basically everybody on the field as either a runner or a passer. You have no idea, like, because you could have Debo Samuel lined up as a, an X, like a number one wide receiver, and he could end up taking a handoff and running for 20 yards. And he's also building this collection of players that are extremely hard to bring down, right? Like, you look at the Brandon Ayuk pick, you've got Debo Samuel, who looks like he could be a star. Now he is injured. He'll miss the first couple of games. But And then you have George Kittle, who is – I don't care. People talk about – don't talk to me about Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, like, get out of here. He's not the best tight end. It's Kittle, and it's not close. Uh, there's no tight end that does what Kittle does in terms of blocking. Uh, run, like, his routes, his catching, his after-the-catch ability. Like, he had what was in 2018. He had the most yards after catch of anybody in the NFL. Usually that's a running back who has that because they catch in the backfield and run for 30 yards. Like Kittle as a tight end led the league in that. 
and you see it like he's just a guy that just refuses to go down um so yeah I like I could go on and on obviously about the 49ers I think you combine that with that defense they've got and Jimmy Garoppolo being another year removed from the knee injury I don't know I I I think they're a Super Bowl favorite to start the season And I don't disagree. I think the way that you think about the Patriot system is maybe how I feel like this. Like, I think that the Saints, Ravens, and where we'll get to with the Chiefs are more talented rosters across the board, but maybe the Niners system is better. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some, maybe not all, but some. Um, So as far as like naturally talented teams and where I think that the roster is, Mm -hmm. I think the roster is at four. Um, However, could Shanahan's mind, you know, switch that around and um, create a higher place for the Niners? Definitely. They're definitely a Super Bowl favorite. I would not argue that at all. Um, I think it would be very fun if uh, the Niners and the Cowboys met along the line. Um, (laughs) However, I do think that my placing with them as far as where they fit naturally, I think that it is four, not two. I think two is high. Yep. All right. That's, That's fair. We have differences of opinion. That's okay. But clearly, we agree on the top team in the NFL. And I literally wrote two words. I have like a paragraph for every other team. I wrote two words, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, reigning champs, no major offseason changes or drama. Mahomes can only get better. Um, he's now talking about how – you know, the offense has really slowed down for him That's at the end of last year, which 100% is terrifying. <laughs> and, you know, the last kind of quote-unquote prodigy that we saw come in was Peyton Manning. Yep. Um, he's way more impressive than Peyton Manning was in yep. completions, completion percentage, passing, touchdowns, mm-hmm. um, interceptions, wins, attempts. Like, his stats blow his out of the water. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that there is any question that the Kansas City Chiefs have to be number one. And you may say that the Niners would be a favorite. I would say favorite to win Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, 100%. And that's why I have the Niners below the Chiefs. Like, I I didn't put the Niners at number one because I think, like, you got to dethrone the champs to be the champs. Like, that's that's it. It's why the Patriots were at the top for so long. Um, And I think, yeah, like – I always, you always see these like memes on Instagram and stuff of like building the perfect NFL quarterback. And it's like this person's brain and this person's arm and all this kind of stuff. Like, I think that's Patrick Mahomes. It's just like, Mahomes. When you really think about it. The kid is incredibly smart. Like he knows the offense. He has a rocket for an arm. He can throw from any angle. He's incredibly athletic and he can escape the pocket. He can run for touchdowns, but he's not looking to run. Like, he's accurate. He doesn't, he doesn't turn the ball over. Like it's just, it's just a never ending list of things that are, that are perfect. And then you put him with Andy Reed who, who can scheme up these plays that somehow managed to get players like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins like open because it's like, pick your poison. You can't cover them all. Um, and Mahomes knows where to go. He knows, okay, this play and this play, like he can, re- he can read progressions. Like it's just unbelievable what he's doing. Yeah, and I read another article where he's talking about now how he can read defenses better now than he ever could before. He was like, you know, I was really having a hard time with it. And you're like, how could you ever Pardon? possibly? You threw 50 touchdowns. Like, how are you struggling? But unbelievable that he yeah. is like continuing to move and grow. And I think that you are going to see um, very much, you know, like Peyton Manning, um, Tom Brady, the type of dedication that they have to football. Yeah. I mean, like the fact that he's been MVP, won a Super Bowl and been Super Bowl MVP in his first first two full years as a starter. And like the team's not going anywhere, right? Like they've no. got the guys now, they're going to have to pay Mahomes and then they're going to have to be creative with how they, you know, get players around him. But I think Mahomes is going to be one of those guys who can elevate mediocre to, you know, good talent to great talent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that there's any question that the Kansas City Chiefs reigning champs. Number yep. one. 
Yep, got to got to be thrown the chance to be the chance. Uh, but we'll, uh, yeah, the Niners are too. And we'll just disagree there. No. Uh, well, this first of all, this was this was super fun. I haven't got to talk this much football in a really long time. Um, I think I, we're going to have to break the podcast into two episodes because, <laughs> because it's been like two hours. But um, thanks for coming on, Jess. This was this was awesome. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, I, I appreciate uh, you bring me on the podcast as uh, one of your people. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great, and I think we're gonna we're trying try and do a couple of these throughout the summer, and and maybe moving on in the future. This will be the the football segment of the podcast, and um, we'll do some more some different kind of rankings and other discussions moving forward. But uh, again, thanks for coming on, and yeah, look forward to the season. Well, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, everybody, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Pass the Brew. Well, there it is. That is our Power Rankings two-part episode wrapped up. Um, Interested to, yeah, know what you guys thought about about that one so if you had yeah if you you know if you if you had some strong opinions there you can can send me a message on instagram and we can we can debate uh, but i enjoyed having that conversation i know jess did as well and i'm pumped to do some more conversations about football moving forward in the future with a season that we hopefully have uh, but again just to reiterate the 49ers are better than jess thinks they are um apparently i think the cowboys are better than jess thinks they are but in reality, Cowboys suck. Let's just be real. Everybody knows the Cowboys suck. So that's for you, Jess. But again, thank you for coming on the podcast. Loved having Jess and excited for next time. And as usual, hope you all enjoyed this episode of Pass the Brew.